0: And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Tripp Mitchell, and this is Randall Carlisle. Hello again, Tripp. And the reason we're here is to talk about addiction here in the state of Utah and give some great news. And, and recovery, recovery is there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of course, if you could have been here the last thirty seconds, I was talking, telling stories
1: about the ski industry thirty years ago, and, <laughs> and uh, things were a little different. We, but we were talking about uh, Trip and I are recovering alcoholics, and we were talking about carrying Boda bags and drinking almost uh, the entire day of skiing. It, um, and
0: it was yeah. the case, and everyone did it. And uh, yep. it is so nice to be to ski a whole season and do it sober, sober. and feeling good. It, you, <laughs> you get a lot more out of the mouth. It's a lot different. It really is. But the reason we're here is to talk about recovery. And the great news is if you're watching the show for the first time and you know someone who's got some challenges, whether it be drugs or alcohol, there are so many wonderful people. Right here in the state of Utah who are there to help. their recovery centers from 60000 a month down to no charge. Right. And a lot of them all over have been doing a great job. And, Randall, since retiring from TV, your job right now is to work with Odyssey
1: House. Media and community affairs for uh, for Odyssey House. And, and it was a perfect fit for me because I, I know the media. And I know addiction, so <laughs> I, so it's, it's working well. and I've, I've worked uh, for Odyssey House for close to two years now. I've been sober for seven. so how long, what, how long have you been? So I have been sober this time.
0: For almost three and a half. Okay. So, but before I've had some pretty good runs and, and you know, you want to come back and make sure that you really, you you don't want to do it again. You don't. And (laughs) there are people in recovery who literally will have their last drink, their last shot, their last hit and be in recovery for years and years and years and never go back. And then there are people who, for whatever reason, take another drink again or do drugs again. And the great thing about recovery and Mikey, we're going to get to your story in a second is the fact that. When you do go back, there's none of that. Per- I know when I first got, 15 years ago, first got sober and and went back out, and I didn't want to disappoint people. I stopped going to meetings. I didn't, and that's the last thing you can walk back in after you've made a mistake, and people are loving and sure. they're caring and they want you to succeed, and, and that's I, amazing. Yeah, My
1: observation that. was, and, and it says it in AA's Big Book, is when I when I relapsed the last time, it wasn't fun at all. I mean, it was. I didn't. I remember, you know, back in college, you know, getting drunk and partying and stuff like that. And and the last time I drank, when I relapsed after nine months of sobriety, I thought, why? I I mean, I, yeah, I got drunk and I blacked out, but but it it wasn't it wasn't fun. It wasn't it wasn't worth breaking my recovery. But I guess I had to learn that. So, yeah, and you know. learn it the hard way. And
0: and when that. And we were talking in our last show, Chad from Odyssey House was on it, and we were talking about how you can't force someone into recovery or making the right decisions, but boy, when it's time, you have trouble getting them out of recovery, because when you make that decision and you've... You've done that, so let's uh, introduce us to Mikey and Mikey
1: Sumners. He is a graduate <laughs> from our adolescent program. We, he's the first person we've had on this show from our adolescent program. Oh and, man, that makes me feel special. See, you should. You know, <laughs> no, yeah, I should be uh, graduating the program
2: today, later around four thirty. Hey, wow! And uh, my release date from Odyssey is this Saturday, July sixth. So, eight months of effort, man. It was it was definitely
0: worth it. Yeah, and you missed maybe. the end of ski season by one day. I know. Yeah. Fourth of July that yeah. um Snowbird will be open for our final day of the season. But you coming at it from a different perspective, you had to have gotten into drugs or alcohol at a young age. If you could elaborate on talk about your story a little bit so maybe some people watching can be aware of the challenges that are out there for young people. Alright, yes. Yeah, so I first so my parents were
2: both uh struggling Drug addicts, recovering drug addicts. My mom was a heroin addict. My dad was an alcoholic and a heroin addict. Um, So that was always a big thing in my family. You know, they they relapsed multiple times while I was a kid. Um, There's definitely a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, came because of that. Um, A lot of it was, you know, I had never had a very stable place to live. You know, we were in and out of places. Uh, My dad was in and out of jail. My mom was in and out of like programs and stuff. And I lived with my grandparents for a really long time. Um, The first time I used was I was probably 10 years old was when I took my first drink. Whoa. And um, alcohol was never my forte. That's not something that I enjoyed. I was like, ah, this is cool, you know. But, like, it gets to a point where you're, like, puking and stuff, and you're like, ah, yeah, I don't like this anymore. And um,
0: Been there. Yeah, they don't yeah. Put that, you know, uh, let me explain <coughs> a little magic of TV. They very rarely put people throwing up in the gutter on beer commercials. No, yeah. it <laughs> looks a lot more glamorous. <laughs> it looks a
2: lot more fun. And then yeah. the next thing you know, you try it, and you're in that gutter throwing up, you know. So it's not <laughs> as much fun as you think. Um, but, you know, I had that very kind of hard upbringing. I had a lot of mental health problems that I didn't quite understand and I got to be really obstinate and defiant, right? Wouldn't listen to what my mom said. Wouldn't listen to what my dad said. Started self-harming at 12, I think, and then I got... Self-harming? Yeah, self-harming. So, you know, like, like, cutting myself and stuff and I used to do cigarette burns and stuff. Um, I'm, I think, four years clean from that, at least, which is cool. Um, you know, I had a lot of these suicidal adulations and everything, right? It was a very dark time in my life. And then I, I got diagnosed with ADD, got prescribed Adderall, and then that set me off with substances, right? Because then I, I took my first Adderall and I was like, I feel weird, you know? And like, I started getting things done and I was like, okay, I like this. Took two more the next day, you know, it just kept building up. And it got to a point where I was staying up for weeks at a time just for fun, you know? Because I liked the way, because when you stay up after a while, you start seeing things. And I liked the way that felt. You know, it got really, like, weird. Like, I didn't know what anything was real, right? You didn't know what was real, what wasn't. And it got really scary. So I quit taking my Adderall for a really long time. And then 13, smoked weed for the first time. Um, I didn't smoke weed again until about a year after that. You know, because my first time it didn't get me high. I was just like, okay, this is dumb. Probably because I didn't know how to do it. Um, and then, you know, around 14 when I started high school, that's when I got really big. And I started stealing my mom's pills because my mom was prescribed Ambien. And, you know, I took it once. She gave it to me once because I couldn't sleep. And then, you know, I stayed up trying to fight that sleep. And I started tripping, you know. And, like, it, it got really bad. It got really weird. And after that, I found out I could get high on it. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this all the time. You know, so she caught me stealing a lot. And, like, it got to a point where I actually overdosed on it. I took 14 during a blackout. 14 Ambien. Yeah, yeah. I took Jeez. Tw- I took two blacked out, and ended up taking the rest of my mom's pill bottle. And I found that after my blackout, because I remember I got really sick. That was the next thing I remembered. I got sick. I went to the bathroom. I puked into the sink. There were pills in my puke. And I run out to see what time it is, and like four hours has gone by. Right? And I had no idea what happened. And I was like, my mom's about to go home. So I went to go check the pill bottle. It was empty. And I was like, oh, my God. My mom comes home, obviously freaks out. Um, but my mom was the type of person that she... So I smoked weed with her. Um, we would smoke together. She was the first person I Not ever... Not
0: exactly the Donna Reed show. <laughs>
1: we just dated her. <laughs> he <ourselves>. doesn't even <laughs> know
2: what Donna yeah. Reed is. Well, <laughs> <No, laughs> anyone under I'm 50 does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, that was the whole thing. And she was the type of parent that she's like, well, I'd rather you be doing it
0: in the home than being unsafe out there doing it, right? Do you remember... The, let me go back for a second because this is... We've never had anyone your age on the show whose parents are addicted. We've had lots of people on the show who have kids. Mm-hmm. And our last guest, Chad, as I mentioned earlier, Randall asked a very probing question about how, if his kids get involved in drugs, how he's going to handle it. So as a kid whose parents were into drugs and alcohol, were you? how did you think about that? What did you... Because you, your friends probably didn't have that same experience.
2: Yeah, um... I sort of just looked at it as something that people do. You know, I thought that was the norm because that's what I grew up in, right? Like, in and out of uh, addiction and stuff. So that was what people did, and eventually that's what I would be doing. Because I looked at movies, right, and, like, there were high schoolers smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, you know, all that stuff, and I was like, well, that's just normal. You know, so that's what I got Mm. into because I thought that was the norm. Um, Come to find out, it obviously wasn't. (laughs) Did you grow up in Utah? (laughs) Yes, I did. I was born in... uh, don't remember but i was raised in sugar house for about seven years we moved to logan um that was after my dad first got arrested well not first but that was after my dad got arrested for a really big thing moved to logan um my dad ended up coming back he got arrested again for assault on my mom i think i could be wrong don't quote me um you're on tv (laughs) (laughs) you are being quoted (laughs) um no but it's something like that along those lines um so we ended up moving to Heber with uh, my grandparents, and we stayed with them for a year, year and a half, you know, and then we found new place.
0: In all those places, so you've got Sugar House, mm-hmm. which probably, I would assume, you can find drugs there pretty easily. easily. Especially
2: but, at that point in time, because it wasn't as cleaned up as it is right now.
0: But I would think it would be tough
2: to find things in Heber or Logan. Oh, my God, it's so simple. Oh, my God. So Logan, it's a very suburbial area, right? And that's where all the pills are. Are in those suburbs where everyone's doing good, you know, and everyone gets prescribed pain pills. They stop taking them because they're like, I don't want to take these. The kids find them and they're like, okay, you know, and they're like, okay, let's see what this does. Cause they get curious. Um, Heber, Heber, it was, it's just so tight knit that the only culture, we have nothing to do up there. It's so boring. The only culture we have is drug culture.
0: And by the way, your next job will not be with the Heber Tourist Commission. No. You're yeah. <laughs> not going to be. No kidding. way. Yeah. No, yeah. I,
2: I don't have, I mean, I have don't for Don't apply at Hebrew, the homestead for a job. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't have, like, hate for Hebrew, but I don't necessarily love it. You know, I mean, I appreciate what it's given me. You know, it's given me all these opportunities. It's It's got me in that position where it's, like, the lowest point of my life. But without that, I wouldn't be where I am today right? I wouldn't have gotten sober to have this opportunity to talk to people to explain what I've been through. Are your grandparents just so proud of you? They, so at first, okay, so I went and saw them last Saturday because it was my grandpa's retirement party and he's like old. So it was crazy that he retired. We thought he was never going to retire, but he did. And how
1: old's old? He's like, Almost eighty. Wow, really old.
0: Qualify? You (laughs) could run for president. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's pretty old, and I'm just. You were about to, by the way. You were in danger at that moment. Two elbows were going to come at you. No, I knew. Directions. I saw it. I saw yeah, it. Sounds like okay. Was let's, really old. let's save myself real quick. <laughs> um,
1: you saw the look in his eyes. I wonder yeah. how old. Safe to say it's <laughs> exactly. old. Exactly. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make sure. His I. His grandfather's really like, sixty-two.
0: <laughs> he, he just. He's added really just forty-nine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so he retired, and I saw all my extended family, and it's been three years since I've seen them because that's when I started getting really heavy into drugs and I isolated. You know, the only people I hung out with were my mom and a couple friends that I knew would do drugs with me. Um, Isolated myself completely and I found them after three years. Yeah. And it was crazy. Everyone's such an adult. Everyone's so much bigger. You know, and I thought I was going to be like really odd one out. And I'm like the shortest one in the family. I like I am now. At first I wasn't. But everyone's so tall. Um, (laughs) I'm a short guy. Just be aware. but not on TV. We have, have a hair a and theory makeup theory. department. We put people on the rack and <laughs> we stretch them. No, um, it was just crazy, and everyone's so supportive of what I'm doing. Yeah, at first they they really didn't like it because you know I wouldn't be around. They didn't know what I was doing. They obviously assumed the worst, which is safe to assume. Um, but I told them how I've graduated high school. I graduated on time. I made up 11 credits in seven months, um, and that. You know, I'm about to graduate the adolescent program, and they were all so proud of me, you know, and they asked me things like, what am I going to keep doing, you know, to make sure I stay in that mindset? And it's really just doing this, talking to people, you know, who I can relate to. You guys were talking about that on the last show, you know, and that's what it's all about. Is that It's sort of like service work, but I hate that word service work because it feels like a job. You know, it's just sort of me sharing my experience, you know, because I can't make the choice for anybody, right, but I can give them advice. I can, I can give them ideas it's up to them to take those ideas.
0: It, it is. Um, getting back to your family's reaction, do you think that, are your parents still have drug and, are they still taking drugs now? So my dad, uh,
2: he is actually homeless. Um, he was living down at the road home for a while. Right now he has liver cancer. Um, we found that out two weeks ago. And he's at a nursing home. And what I've heard, this is just the rumor, is that when he first got there, because it made sense because he was on a lot of painkillers when he first got there. You know, and he was hallucinating and stuff that he was withdrawing from heroin. So, I mean, that makes sense to me because down at the Road Home, it's not a very nice place. (laughs) You know, like, there's a lot of drugs. And, you know, I I don't hold that against him either because it's sort of a mistake that he made. Maybe he's not in the right mindset to where he wants to be
0: recovered yet. You know, and that's that's up to him to decide. I was just wondering if you might be an impetus or just a reason for everyone else in your family to get clean. No, yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, if they can see me do it then maybe it sort of gives Impetus them the idea that they is can is
2: the word it. I was Impetus. looking for, and you were yeah. trying to help me yeah. along there. No, Yeah, maybe if they see me doing it, then... Because
0: it, it is a great story. How old are you now? I am 18. I turned 18 this April. So you've got... And I've been in meetings and where people, young people, 18, 20, 21, come in and they kicked whatever was challenging drugs or alcohol and such a bright future ahead do you see how bright your future oh yeah because you're obviously a a smart guy and you probably can do anything you want yeah and there's so many and i'm cute so you know like there's so (laughs) many things i can get away with now you know lee said that but i didn't (laughs) want to encourage you at all
2: no um yeah it's crazy i have so many opportunities so many options you know to actually go out and do what i want with my life you know especially when it comes to helping people because that's I feel like that's a big thing for me to stay sober is to continue preaching what I've learned. So what are you going to do next year? Next year, uh, I plan on going to college in the spring um, because I missed the fall date, right, to apply to Salt Lake Community College. Um, So I'm going to go to college in the spring. I'm going to do all my generals there, hopefully transfer to somewhere. Um, And then at that point, you know, I'm going to go to school for psychology as a substance abuse counselor.
0: Fantastic. Because, I mean,
2: with my background and what I know, you know, it's going to be a lot easier to relate to me. You know, like, the fact that I've been through it all, I've been through a program, I graduated a program, I've been to, like, that really dark part of addiction, you know, I know where it goes, and, like, I'll be able to
0: just share my experience, you know. And I would think your experience is so valid because you've been through it at an age when so many people in Utah have. Yeah. We've talked to a lot of people who maybe have started addiction younger, but really got into it in their 20s and 30s. You were a full-blown addict in your teens. No, yeah. My first experience with
2: addiction was, um, so I was 15, 15 or 16, and my mom was prescribed Suboxone, right, because she had relapsed a few years back, and she was still going through the, the treatment of weaning down and stuff, except she wasn't weaning down. She was staying on the same dose you know oh, sort of God, using it as God. an excuse in my opinion right now she's actually clean and sober off of all that which is awesome Good Good I'm so proud of her um shouts out to you mom um <laughs> no but she was using she had Spoxin and I would take it was like the subutex the one that aren't an opioid bro- blocker and I would take I would cut it into fourths snort a fourth, go to school come back during lunch snort another fourth go back to school and slump out right and I did that for a few months and that yeah, was my slump out is is just not out in the middle of class, right? You're just like falling asleep with your eyes open, and stuff, trying to pay attention, but you can't. It was really bad, and it got to a point, so I withdrawed from that. And during that withdrawal, I started using Xanax, because Xanax helps with the kick, it helps the the stomach, all the all the pain and stuff, you know. And I got addicted to Xanax. I started using that for a few months, and. You, know, I had to you might be
0: a third of your way towards your pharmacy uh, degree. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you seem to. I know an awful lot. Yeah.
1: Do you s- no, describe yeah. Uh, what one thing we haven't talked about is is the adolescent house at Odyssey, has, is for uh, young people 13 through 18, I guess. And he's. he's and you were now. nice enough to give Lee and I a tour. Yeah. Before I mean, we, anyway, we have the classrooms there that are taught by Horizonte, yep. Salt Lake That's City what school I teachers. That's Horizonte. Uh, and 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 it's small. I mean, it's like what, 16, 20 people, something um, like that. So I
2: think our max is thirty six, but we usually don't have anything over twenty seven at at the most. I think I think that's what we have now.
1: What's life like for parents who might be watching, saying, "I've got a troubled child"? So, like, what would life be in Odyssey? Yeah,
2: in Basically, the adolescent program, you get fed three meals a day, okay, and you get fat. I'm not even gonna lie; you eat so good. Um, I'm saying that because I cook. Um, then it's, it's a lot of like therapy groups. And I know that sounds really boring and really lame, but it's actually pretty cool. You know, there's a lot of things that I've definitely taken in. Like we have this one group seeking safety. Um, that's the group that I, I like thrive for, you know, that I live, that I learn the most from, you know, that I have this uh, sheet of safe coping skills that I got from it. Right. And that's where I got my tolerate the feeling sort of thing. Cause eventually it will pass, you know, or delaying. You know, because, like, I still get the urge to smoke cigarettes and stuff and go do weed. But my thing about it is I'm going to delay it, you know, because as of right now, it's not an option. Um, We have, so there's a level system, right? The orientation to compass to discovery to navigator. And after navigator, it's the graduate phase. But in order to get all to those levels, you have to show mastery or competency in all the things beforehand and I think it's a a building block exactly yes yes like and once you get to like Discovery Navigator you can have visits outside of the facility you can go I think at Discovery you can go for a 12 hour community visit well that's even a home visit you can go home hang out Um, and then at Navigator you do 24 hours and 48 hours and then eventually um what's the word transition out um it's honestly a really cool program I hated it when I first got there I was like this is (laughs) stupid I'm never gonna get through this I'm gonna be here forever I thought I was like, you know what, I can get up to Compass and then sweet talk my judge into letting me go free, you know. Because I was supposed out? to. It didn't work. I was supposed <laughs> to be in a, a program for five weeks, and so I was really riding on that idea. I was like, five weeks, I'll be done. You know, yeah, I'll I can go, do it. I can. do it. I'll go right back to it, and then six weeks came, and I was like, oh my god, why? You know, and like, it broke me down, and I got to, it kind of it strips you to your bare minimum. I feel like that's the best way to explain it, you know. And that sounds scary. That sounds uncomfortable, but that's the point. You know, it's it's things that you don't want to deal with that you're going to have to deal with, you know, that they make you deal with. Um, it strips you to that sort of, like, who
0: really am I sort of idea. You know, and then it helps you build on that. So if you meet friends at the community college next spring, they're going to say, I went to Highland High School. What are you going to say to them? Man, I went to Odyssey. No, I basically I'll have to tell them, you know,
2: I've been through, well, I will tell them I did high school in Odyssey, you know, because that's something I'm actually proud of. I wouldn't have graduated you high be. school without... Going to Odyssey. You know, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. I was so far behind. I was a dropout before I went to Odyssey. You know, I was. So, before Odyssey, my thing was I started using meth. Um, And I was using meth for six months. It felt like two months because of how long you stay awake, because of how fast every day goes. It all just blends and merges together. I was doing meth for about six months and I wouldn't drug test. So, my judge, you know, got the help for me. Because I always said, the. The last guy, he talked about, um, he always wanted to do it himself. And that is a big thing in addiction because I constantly wanted to do it myself. I was like, I did get myself into it. You know, I can get myself out. But it never works that way. And, like, you can try it as hard as you could. I got sober from pills for nine months, relapsed, started doing meth, ended up in rehab. You know, because I wouldn't help myself, so someone decided to get the help for me. You know, and, and because of that help, I was able to graduate high school. I was able to learn how to function. I'm actually eight and a half months sober, you know, and like that's the longest I've ever been sober in my life besides, you know, before I started using, um, and without Odyssey, I I would not have the mindset to stay sober. That's fantastic. And I I love
0: the idea of putting off that bad choice. And, And in my case, if as a recovering alcoholic, there's some nights that you want to drink and my philosophy is as long as I can get to bed sober, yeah. I'll wake up in a yeah. different headspace. That's, exactly,
1: yeah. And you just get through a day. I've got to brag exactly, about yeah. Mikey here. Uh, he, he participated in, we got to get this in, and I know we're running out of time. Oh, I forgot. Yes, he participated in a program, and I'm not sure, it's a national contest for poetry writing, uh, and and the way they worded it is for kids in confinement. So I guess that would include people in juvenile detention centers, in rehab places like like our adolescent house and he wrote a poem and he has they haven't narrowed it down to the to the final finalist yet but he is one of the top 12 poems in America that wow. he wrote and i think there's only two from utah and i'm one of
2: the two yeah that's fantastic so that in itself is a crazy idea
0: you know i just want to give you a little advice Writing can lead to bad things like the television business.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> or yeah, you, if, you, if you write a lot, you're, you might eat. Or, it, or it could become a James Patterson or a Stephen King. and be making millions of dollars and selling millions of books. So okay, yeah, there is really that, cool. too. Yeah. yeah,
0: there is that. But beware of the television business. Yeah, yes. beware yeah. of the television yeah. business. <laughs> if you yeah. can't direct, you can always write. <laughs> he, is, he is one of the most beloved
1: clients that we have. Uh, well, okay.
0: tell me about your cooking. I understand that you are... So, yeah, I
2: like to cook. Um, I so we have this thing called KC. It's Kitchen Crew. Um, I've been on Kitchen Crew for six, five or six months now. Um, I'm actually I haven't cooked in the kitchen for a few weeks because it's sort of been my like transitional thing out of KC. Um, but yeah, like it's it's so weird. I got there and I didn't know how to cook, and we have this one staff named Wes. Um, he taught me everything I know about cooking. You know, like I know how to make like crazy chicken Alfredo and and you know and that's probably my favorite thing in chicken enchiladas
0: any sort of enchiladas oh man i'm your guy um god i love food yeah well cooking is it's something that you can do that benefits other people it is a nice way of saying hey i care about you yeah be like yo i'm gonna cook you a good meal you know and that's that's something
2: i'm really excited for is when i get out i can cook my mom a really nice meal well not
1: to mention impressing a date girls are icky yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well girls complain a lot I'll guarantee yeah, you that. Yeah, well, I've been divorced four times so I'm, I'm, I'm going along with you on that one so, yeah. but Mikey you've been an inspirational story
0: and we thank you so much for coming down so if you're watching and you have a son or daughter who has some addiction issues a, a niece or nephew or someone young there are so many wonderful treatment centers out there and people who really can focus in on the challenges of being an adolescent and it sounds to me like you, any high school you go to, even junior high, kids are going to be susceptible to this stuff. It's it is out anywhere. there. It's everywhere in schools. Oh, my God. So spending time with your young one. But if you have a question, the number at the bottom of the screen is for Odyssey House. And Odyssey House is just one of many wonderful facilities. Mm-hmm. Randall has given the last couple of years of your
1: life to Odyssey yeah, House. And and I, love, I love Odyssey House. But, uh, you know. Not every treatment facility is right for every person. You need, to search, you need to search what's right for you. Definitely. But bottom line, you've got to decide that you need help before and you want help. You know. But
0: the number at the bottom of the screen will give you a start with some great people, and they can introduce you to some other great people, and there's so many people out to help and for those of us listening on podcasts.
1: I'm glad you asked me that, because you can call the number 801-322-3222. And <laughs> I see, I see either that.
0: that, or you can call up a used car dealership and <laughs> yeah. ramble I'll, I'll sell see. you one of those, too. Yeah. We can, and we will finance, finance you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mikey, your story has been really uh, just a pleasure meeting you, and I wish you all the success in the future. And. um if your message can help young, I, I can really see you in the next couple of years going to speak at high schools. Because you can walk in and have that credibility that an old guy doesn't. Yeah. So, I, boy, I hope that you can find a way to talk to as many young people in the next couple of years and relate your experience and help people avoid this because it's a rough road. But uh, I'm excited for your future. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Randall? It was great being here. I love bringing Mikey because he's he's just, you know, it gives you it gives you a lot of faith and hope in the future. I mean, he's going to make good things in his life and he and he went through a real dark period uh yeah, and I it just so goes that. to show that you know anybody can turn things around and you know that I hate Mikey for some re, for one reason. I wish when I was his age I would have learned to do what Mike he has learned, you know. And I wouldn't have gone through all the pain that I've gone through all the decades of my life. But on the other
0: hand, um, you might not be sitting here right now, and I'm thankful for that. I wouldn't have gotten a chance to meet Mikey. So it's all about me. (laughs) No, it's all about me. No,
1: it's all about Mikey. No.
0: Yeah, and addicts and, and alcoholics, we are just so well rounded people. But this is, but what we do is we are thankful for the people that helped us out. I know yeah, I am, and I, Randall, you sure. are, and and one of the best ways to do that is to talk to people, and because I'm in the television business, and Randall has been an anchor for all these years. This show is our way of yeah, just letting people sure. know there are wonderful solutions out there. Lee, our producer, the same way we do this um, for fun. And I thought we got paid for this. We don't? We don't. Uh, why did I even come on, then? Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> Well, your agent didn't read the contract. <laughs> thanks, but Randall. thanks for watching. Is, there is so much help out there. And we'll see you next time right here for Randall Carlisle. I'm Trip Mitchell. Thanks so much for watching. Mm-hmm.